Hello and welcome to this download from Blackwell Online. My name is George Miller and my guest today is David Craig, co-author with Matthew Elliott of The Great European Ripoff, subtitled How the Corrupt, Wasteful EU is Taking Control of Our Lives. I asked David how he had become interested in getting to the bottom of what the EU does with our money. Until about four or five years ago, I uh, wasn't interested in politics, public life, or anything. Uh, I, I worked as a management consultant in about 100 different organizations around the world. Uh, I came back to England about four or five years ago, and I was having lived in Denmark for 20 years, and I was absolutely horrified to see what was happening in terms of how much money the government was spending on extra extra public sector spending on management consultants on computer systems and so on so that got me a little bit interested because I've spent 20 years working in management consulting so I just tried to look at what the what the Labour government was doing and uh, and I wrote a book called Plundering the Public Sector which uh, identified about 70 billion pounds had been spent on consultants with pretty much no result. When you turned your attention to Europe I mean, the book in itself is, is eye-opening in many ways. Presumably, you went through a similar process of having your eyes opened to things you were unaware of at the start. Yes. You know, from my, tw- from my experience in management consulting, I know how organisations work, how big organisations work, and particularly how big bureaucracies work. So I was expecting certain things. I went over, to, as, as part of the work for the book, I read, did a lot of research, but I also went over to Brussels a few times and met some some quite interesting people there, some extremely greedy and nasty, and some, very few, uh, quite honourable. That that was very useful in terms of finding out what was happening, getting a feeling for what was happening. Got taken to a lot of meetings, press conferences, buffet dinners, that sort of stuff. So you get a, got a feeling for how the, uh, the whole Brussels village worked. One, one of the things that I thought I knew about MEPs before I read your book was that their salaries were pegged to the level of remuneration of national par- parliaments. So I thought there was probably not much discrepancy. But then reading the opening of your book, it's clear that the remuneration of an MEP is is wildly different from what a, um, a member of the House of Commons would receive. At the moment, the salary of European parliamentarians is the same. The basic salary is the same as they would receive if they were in the parliament of the local countries. So in Britain, they're getting about 60, 62,000 pounds a year. The the big difference in earning potential comes because they have absolutely massive expenses. They get almost 200,000 pounds a year for paying for assistance. And I mean, some of them, you have three or four sharing one assistant who's paid about 40,000 pounds a year. So, so you've got four, so they're getting 800,000 pounds. And most of that is going into their pockets. They have massive travel expenses. They get, they're in Brussels most of the time. They get four thousand pounds a month, so forty odd, forty-eight, fifty thousand pounds a year for constituency offices. Most of them don't have constituency offices, but they still take the money. So, the the rough calculation I did is that they could, if they could get by on about two hundred thousand pounds a year, basically living like royalty they could put about a million pounds into the bank accounts after only a, a one five-year uh, stint at the European Parliament, which is, which is good money. And what do we get for that? What, what do they do in return for us? Unfortunately, I may be a bit cynical, but uh, very little. The European Parliament has little to no power. For example, all laws, that regulations, directives, whatever 
that come from Brussels come from the European Commission, the unelected group of bureaucrats. They are the only people allowed to, to propose new laws. The European Parliament has l limited power just to discuss and make some amendments to only about half the laws coming out of the uh, Commission. For example, anything to do with agriculture, which is 45% of the European Union budget, the European Parliament are not allowed to discuss and not allowed to debate. Anything to do with foreign treaties, they're not allowed to discuss, not allowed to debate, not allowed to do anything. So th th they have no lawmaking law powers, they uh, are excluded from about half the expenditure of the European Union, and they are not a necessary institution. What would you say to someone who says, oh, you know, here comes just another Eurosceptic bashing Europe, ignoring the good things that Europe has done, just ideologically opposed to sharing power or, you know, putting one's lot in with, with other European nations? Well, I'd say that's not true. First of all, I would say buy a copy of the book and read it. No, the European Union has performed an incredibly valuable role in terms of spreading democracy, democracy and economic advancement, first to the pigs, Portugal, Italy, Greece and Spain, who were emerging from dictatorship, and then to the bees, the Baltic and Eastern European states. Had the European Union not been there as a kind of centre of stability and a provider of money, many of these countries would not have developed as fast as they did and would not have been as stable as they have been. And of course, they then in turn provided markets for, for the goods from the sort of more advanced countries. So, so the, the European Union has performed a very important role and I would be absolutely against the UK leaving it. But the fact that it has performed a, a important role in one area doesn't mean that it should be allowed to go uncriticised for the catastrophic effect it's having on farming, on agriculture, on industry, uh, in fact on many areas of our lives. You're concerned about what you call in the book Euro creep. Can you say what you, what you mean by Euro creep? Basically, every treaty that the EU comes up with, it hugely expands the areas that it can uh, legislate in. Uh, that some of the latest uh, proposals they've got are they're going to measure the quality of education in different countries, and the European Union will legislate on how people should be educated in different countries. They will measure the quality of health services in different countries, and the European Union, not countries, will set standards for health care. They want to measure the quality of work life. Uh, in different countries, how much people work versus how much leisure they have. And then they propose to legislate on how the people can achieve a better work-life balance. I mean, that, that is completely ludicrous. Brussels bureaucrats should not be allowed to legislate how the health systems, the education systems, the transport systems in 27 countries should be run. It, it, they don't have the competence and the knowledge it's a ludicrous idea that they should be allowed to take over those powers from the countries. We mentioned the lack of transparency earlier, and that does seem to be a real problem. You talk about people who've been whistleblowers and what's happened to them, and there doesn't really seem to be any adequate means by which either the EU can examine its own institutions and performance, or indeed any way in which journalists can hold the EU accountable. The EU is almost hermetically sealed. For example, I got hold of a report called the Galvin Report, which is a confidential audit of how members of European Parliament are cheating on their expenses, the expenses for assistance allowances. And this is kept in a locked room. Only about 20 MEPs are allowed to see it. To see it, they have to sign confidentiality agreement. They were not allowed to take notes. They're not allowed to discuss it with anyone. 
there are many more documents like this. It, it, it's a bureaucracy that 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 is wedded to secrecy. It's got a huge internal security service, and also, for example, all confidential documents are all laid out in slightly different ways, so that if any does come to a journalist, it's easy for the European authorities to find out who's um, who, who's got it. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev is is quoted as having said that he is amazed that they seem to be recreating the Soviet Union in Western Europe. That sounds a bit a bit extreme, but when you get to Brussels and when you see the isolation and the arrogance and the self-serving nature of this Euro Euro elite, it, it is it is incredible the, the contempt that they feel for the rest of us. Given the vested interests in the EU, and given the fact that the, the, the general public across Europe tends to be fairly indifferent to what goes on at e, in the EU, and also given the fact that, that journalists seem to be unable to get much purchase on it, how do we get from the situation we're currently in to a more accountable, a more democratic, a less wasteful, a less corrupt EU in your opinion? First issue is that Britain is one of the few countries, there's a little bit in Germany, but there's probably just the two countries out of the 27, where there actually is any criticism of the EU in the press at all. In most countries, it's the subject is not covered. Uh, one reason, of course, is a lot of the uh, main TV channels and uh, press and so on get grants from the EU, so they they tend not to criticise it. The the BBC is famous for taking money from the EU, and it is very very difficult to get the BBC to even discuss doing anything that could be seen as criticising the EU. The current vested interests are so strong that the only possible opportunity of chance of changing this is probably through. Uh, Declan Gandhi's Libertas Party, the, the the party that was behind the no vote in the the referendum in 2008, s- s- only only a, a new party like that, a new broom, is capable of causing change because the existing institutions are so self-serving and so corrupt. And how do you get, given the the media the media's lack of coverage, how do you get the public? How do you get that message out to the public and get them to sit up and and pay attention? Six months ago, I didn't know that the European Union was important. Having now studied it and written about it for the last six months, I am desperately worried that people really do not grasp how much power this institution has, how much more power it will have once the, the shabby, unconstitutional uh, Lisbon Treaty is, 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 is passed through. I've written my book and, and to try and draw attention to th- this is actually a, a desperately important subject and I, I hope the press, I hope maybe with the European elections coming up, I hope that there's some attention paid to this because we are, we are sleepwalking into something that, that, that is taking all our sovereignty away from us and I would never agree with UKIP that we should be leaving the EU, we should, we should definitely stay in it in my opinion, but my God, we need to reform it fundamentally, and I hope my book is part of uh, people understanding why it is actually very important to to cause change.